You are listening to Press Church Podcast. Please enjoy this week's message. I simply titled this, it's probably going to be a two-parter because we've got a lot going on today. I called it the truth, just simply the truth. The scripture that we're going to go over, we'll probably just talk about the first part of it. I've got to do some some back teaching before we can actually even get to the scripture. But Proverbs chapter 30, verse 5, says, Every word of God is pure. He is a shield to those who put their trust in him. Every word of God is pure, and he is a shield to those who put their trust in him. Now, before we dive into this portion of scripture, I'm going to take a step back, do a little bit of teaching, and, and show you some scriptures. We have to establish that the word of God is not only the ultimate truth, but the only truth for us as Christians. Now, a lot of people will say when it comes to truth, the Bible is the ultimate truth. We put it on a scale from 1 to 10, the Bible being a 10, which is true, but we also have to understand as Christians that the Word of God, the Bible itself, is the truth over everything else. In John chapter 1, verse 1, John has this revelation, the one who is who says that he's loved the most by Jesus, the one who is laying next to him, the one who is with him all the time. If anything happened, it was Peter, James, and John that were with Jesus, and John was always right next to Jesus. John is at the cross, and he has this revelation, and he says in the very beginning of his book as he's writing, in the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. In the beginning was the Word. Before there were any other words that were ever spoken, the Word was there at the beginning. It was established at the beginning, and that Word was with God. Now, we believe that by the time the beginning started, Genesis 1-1, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. More than likely, the devil had already been kicked out of heaven. There was already a separation between the devil and his demons and God and his angels. There was this on my side or against me. And it says that the word that was at the beginning was with God, was on God's side. And then it also says that that word was God. Well, that's pretty cool. He was there at the beginning He was on God's side, and oh, by the way, he was God. The Word was there at the beginning. And then further down in John chapter 1, verse 14, John writes through Revelation, and the Word that was there at the beginning, that was there with God, that was God, he became flesh and dwelt among us. And John is saying this because he was there and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father. And look at this, was full of grace and full of truth. 
So the word that was at the very beginning before there was any other words, the word that was with God, that God okayed, that God was good with, that God was for, and the word that was God is full of grace and full of truth. This word is not only the ultimate truth, it is the truth. And we see that as Jesus is on the earth in John chapter 14, verse 6. Jesus says, I am the way, I am not some of the truth, I'm not the ultimate truth. No, 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 I am the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. God's word has been there since the beginning, before any other word or truth. And the truth, the word, became flesh, and what Jesus brought was grace and not some truth or part of the truth, but the truth. And then we have in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12, it says, For the word of God is living. Other versions say the word of God is active and breathing and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and of joint and marrow, and is a discerner of thoughts and intents of the heart. The word was there at the beginning, and then that word became flesh. And what that word has always been was full of grace and full of truth. And then the word had to go back up into heaven, and by inspiration of God to man, the word became paper. And the word became a book of multiple authors over multiple years that were all heard, all heard God and wrote down what they heard from God. And it painted this beautiful picture of all these different authors about the plan of God, about the purpose of God, about his love for humanity. Decade after decade after author after author as they're writing. And it says even now the word is living and it's breathing and it's active and it's still full of grace, and it's still full of truth. The word that we have now in our hand is full of grace and full of truth. The Bible itself is full of grace and full of truth. It's active, it's living, it's breathing, it's powerful. That we, as Christians, need to understand the importance and the power of the Word of God. To understand the importance and the power of the Bible and what it can do to help us in our day-to-day life. It is our roadmap to life. It is the thing that can help us in every situation. Reading the Bible is so beautiful because there's so much depth to it. You can just keep reading the same scripture and get new revelation on it. It's like if you go and you dig in the ground. I can go and dig in the ground and go a certain depth, and I may or may not find oil. I may or may not find treasure. I may or may not find old weapons from the Civil War. I may or may not find dinosaur bones. I, I, I might just find dirt. I might find gold, but you can keep digging and digging and digging into the ground, not knowing what you're going to find, but you're going to find something. 
Charnita, can we go back to, oh, I may already have it, John 3, 16. The beauty of this scripture that we all know, that we've all read, that we've got t-shirts made out of, that even the non-saved people, even people who don't know the Bible can quote this scripture. How powerful it is that it's like if you just grow up, especially if you're in America, somehow you just know John 3.16. And that there are parts and avenues that we can read it, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. We can read that and understand what it's saying. But we can go deeper on just this simple scripture, as we talked about in communion, that you are so loved. The idea that God loves, the idea that as I go deeper, that God has emotions, that God is love, that the scriptures can help us understand other scriptures. In 1 John, he tells us that God is love. Well, if God is love, of course he knows how to love. But not just at that base level. He so loves. And he loves the world. And he loves humanity. So many people out there still think that God is mad at humanity. God is angry. God took out all of his wrath on his son so he could pour out all of his love on us. So loved that he gave. So all of a sudden, we can now see as we dive deeper into this that there is a correlation between love and giving. And that the heart of God, inside the heart of God, is being a giver. For God so loved that he gave his only begotten son. That means that God had a plan. And his plan involved his son. Which then there's a whole other dynamic to dive into when it comes to the triune God, God the Father and God the Son. That whoever believes in him should not perish. And that plan is simply putting faith in the place and the plan that God put in place, which was Jesus. And if you don't believe in it, we can read through this scripture, we can dive deeper, that if you don't believe in the plan, there's perishing. But if you do believe in the plan, there's everlasting life. What is everlasting life? That just from one scripture, we can keep digging and digging and digging and digging and seeing the fruitfulness, the faithfulness, the beauty of the word of God. Our whole doctrine, our whole theology can be, can be created through this scripture as we learn about the Trinity as we learn about the redemptive plan, as we learn about the triune God, as we learn about the love and the grace and the mercy from one scripture. And then we can read throughout the Bible and see how they all collaborate together to encourage that plan that God has been working throughout the ages of history. Jesus is praying in John chapter 17, verse 17. And he says, sanctify them by your truth. Look at this. Your word is maybe truth. It's only truth in the church. No, no, no. Your word is the truth. Jesus himself is confirming that the word of God is the ultimate truth. We don't back down from it. And then John chapter 8, 
uh, verse 31 and 32, I think, is what I have there. Then Jesus said to those Jews who believed him, If you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed. <clears throat> verse 32 says, And you shall know the truth, and when you know the truth, it's what's going to set you free. It's what's going to set you free. I appreciate doctors and everything that they do. I appreciate hospitals. I appreciate medicine. I appreciate psychologists, psychiatrists. I appreciate all the things in the world that has been created to help us in some way, shape, or form. I believe the Lord can use those in some way, shape, or form. But it's not what's going to ultimately set you free. Get to know his word. Get to know Jesus. That's what brings the ultimate freedom. We as Christians have to believe that. If we don't believe that, then why are we having church? Shut the doors. If we don't believe that Jesus is the answer, the only answer, the ultimate answer, and that all the answers that we need to help the world is in this book, what are we doing? I'm fine with people out there questioning the Bible, but it's hard when we have Christians that are questioning the Word of God. You can ask questions, yeah. God's big enough to handle your questions. I'm not, I'm not saying don't ask questions. But I'm saying we've got to come to a belief in our Christianity that the Bible is the truth. No matter what the world is telling me out there, doesn't matter. The Bible is my truth. No matter what I'm feeling inside of here, the Bible is my truth. No matter what I'm thinking up here, the Bible is my truth. Sometimes, no matter what the man or woman that's in a church that's standing on a stage is saying, the Bible is my truth. We've all been in some of those services where you're listening to somebody preach or teach and you're thinking, I don't think the Bible says that. I've... I've never heard it explained like that. That doesn't sound right. Okay. All right, Lord, show me if that's true or not. Look at this in John chapter 8, a couple scriptures down. This is Jesus speaking. Hope he doesn't ever speak to me like this. You are of your father the devil. Whew. And the desires of your father you want to do. He was a murderer from the beginning. And look at this, the devil, who's currently the owner of this earth, it's the devil still. He's still walking around, seeking whom he may devour. The Bible says that he's looking to steal, kill, and destroy. He hasn't been thrown into hell yet. Can't wait for the day. Look at this, and does not stand in the truth, because there is no truth in him. When he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own resources, for he is a liar and the father of it. Yikes. He doesn't stand in truth. He doesn't know truth. But it's the truth that sets you free. It's the truth that sets you free. So all he's doing is trying to bind you. He's trying to hold you down. He's trying to pull you back. Trying to steal, he's trying to kill, he's trying to destroy, and he's meddling in this world 
And what he's doing is releasing just what he does, a bunch of lies, so that it confuses you and causes you to doubt the word of God. He even went to Jesus himself and said, if you're the son of God, why don't you jump off the ledge? If you're the son of God, I know you're hungry. Why don't you turn those rocks into bread? Quoting scripture, contorting it, twisting it, did the same thing to Adam and Eve. Did God really tell you that you'll die if you eat of this fruit? He knows you'll be more powerful than him. Twisting the word of God, questioning the word of God, just putting a little bit of doubt to make you not believe the whole thing. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. The things that I'm hoping for is in the Word of God to show up in my life. My mom used to tell me this all the time, and I've shared this before. Whenever we would want to go see a movie when we were in high school, we'd want to go see a movie or we'd want to go do something, my mom would say, well, would you want me to bake some brownies? All right, here we go. And she said, I'm going to make some brownies. I'm going to follow the recipe all the way to a T. But right before I put them in the oven, I'm going to go outside and get a little bit of dog poop and put it in the brownies. And then I'll bake them. They'll smell amazing. They'll look amazing. Do you want to eat them? No, Mom, I don't want to eat dog poop brownies. It means I can't go see the movie. But it's what the devil does. He tries to put just a little bit of dog poop in the Bible so that you won't eat them or you won't get anywhere near them. Well, it didn't work once. I'm not, can you rationalize this scripture? Can you figure this out? Can you do this? This doesn't make sense. You prayed for it once and it never happened. He's trying to put just a little bit in it so you say, you know what? I'm not going to eat these brownies ever again. Second Timothy chapter 3, verse 16. What's that first word? All, not some, not some, even the ones I don't like, even the ones that are confusing, even the ones that are weird, all Scripture is inspired by God. And why? Why? If I believe that all Scripture is inspired by God, if I believe that the Word of God from the very beginning came full of grace and truth and has traveled throughout humanity until 2024 when I'm reading the same Word, it says that it is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. And also, the next Scripture says, I don't have it up there, but for you as a, a righteous man or woman to complete every good work that is set before you. All Scripture is given by inspiration to God. We as Christians have to be so set in our ways that the Bible is the Word of God. It is the ultimate truth. It is the truth that I am not backing down. I'm not apologizing. I'm not wish-washing on maybe it works or it doesn't. No, no, it's the Word of God. It's true. It's full of grace, and it's full of truth, and it'll work in my life. And if you apply it to your life, it'll make you free. And that's what needs to be preached from the pulpits because it is the only thing that will free humanity. It's the only plan. Back in the day, before we had the Internet, and you bought a video game, 
you would get a manual in that video game. And if you wanted to figure out how to play it or what to do with the Nintendo or the Super Nintendo, you would open up and read the manual. And then you'd be like, oh, A is jump. B does this. So many people, especially Christians, we go through life and we don't ever read the manual. Somehow we think that we're going to win the video game. We're going to win at life. God gave us a book. God gave us a manual to help us, and it's there for doctrine, for our beliefs, to understand who God is, for reproof, for correction, and for instruction in righteousness, to help us in life. And then kind of the last scripture that I have of wrapping this all together, Psalms 119, verse 89. Forever, O Lord, your word is settled in heaven. It's not in the Bible. Allow me to take a step outside. I don't see in the scriptures that there are angels in heaven pouring over the text. Being like, God, we, we missed something here. We should have, we got to add something. We got to, I don't know what to do here, God. There's not... There's not a corrective department in heaven. There might be. When I get up there, I'll eat my words. If there is, where the angels are pouring over the Bible, pouring over all the translations, pouring over everything, being like, God, we, we misused a word in Leviticus. It's over. Everything falls apart. No, no, no. Forever, O oh Lord, your word is settled in heaven, but for some reason here on earth, for some reason us as Christians, his word is not settled, it's not established, it's not the rock, it's not the chief cornerstone of our lives. What the doctor says is more settled than what the Bible says. What the bank account says is more settled than what the Bible says. The relationship that I have with my spouse when we're fighting is more settled here on earth than it is what the Bible says. Let it not be here at this church. That if the word is settled in heaven, and I have the word right here, then it's settled in my heart. It's settled in press church. If God said it, then he meant it. And if he meant it, then he'll do it. The word is settled in heaven and we, as Christians, need to let it be settled in our lives. It's established. I know the world is trying to throw all of these lies, all of these false things, all of these things that look like truth at me, but I know it's not true. I am already so nauseated that we're going into election season right now. Every ad, I'm getting text messages I'm getting emails. I'm getting things in the mail. Oh, I'm already tired of it. We haven't even got into it yet. I'm tired of all the lies. And I want the Word of God to be my truth, to be my North Star, and to be your North Star. North Star. And no matter what happens in this world, no matter what's said, no matter what's done, if the Bible says it, it's true. If they say it, eh, 
I don't believe it. Let's jump into the first part of this scripture, and then I'll stop. Proverbs 30, verse 5. We had to do all that to get to this point. Every word of God is pure. If we didn't go through all that and establish all that, then, then it's not as important. It doesn't, it doesn't make the, the gravity of this scripture when it says every word of God is pure. You've got to believe that. You've got to trust that. You've got to put your full trust that every word of God is pure. That word pure means to fuse metal. It means to refine, and it means to purge away. Every word of God is pure. So that means God's word fuses into me to become my new reality. It fuses into me. His word fuses into me. There might be sickness in my body, but the reality, my new reality, is that by Jesus' stripes I'm already healed. Believe on God and you will be saved. Maybe you're more spiritual than me, but I have never gotten a congratulations card from heaven saying thank you for becoming saved. We're so glad your name has been added. You're now on the list to go to heaven. I've got to believe that. I've got to believe that two weeks ago, when my grandmother took her last breath on this earth, she was absent from her body, and she's present with the Lord. Although there are tons of books out there, and everybody has a date, and everybody has a thought about when the Lord is returning, we don't have a date. I just have to believe that Jesus is coming back, and I'm looking in the eastern sky, western sky, eastern, for him to come back. This word is settling. It becomes my new reality. As the more I read, the more I study, it becomes my new reality of who I am. Every word of God is pure. God's word refines me by improving me by making small changes. That word refine means to improve me by making small changes. God's word is pure. It's refining me. I don't want to be the same guy that I was in 2023. At the end of 2024, I want to be closer to God. I want to be more in love with God. I want to know more about him. It's changing me. I'm not dealing with the same sin on this over cycle over and over and over again. No, no, no. The more I'm in God's word, the more it purifies me, the more it changes me ever so slightly. You'll know the truth, and the truth will set you free. The last part of that definition means to purge away. Every word of God is pure, purge away. God's word purges away the dark or impure parts of me. It cleans me out, washes me out cleanses me. Ephesians 6, washing the church with the word of God. He washes me. I renew my mind, not dealing with the same dark things that I was born with, that I've been dealing with. He's making me better, and he's also removing the negative. Isn't that good? God's word. A couple scriptures, I'm done. Psalms 19, verse 8. The statutes of the Lord are right, 
statutes of the law, the law, the law of the Lord, they're right, rejoicing in the heart. The commandment of the Lord, look at this, is pure, enlightening the eyes. Growing up, I was born in 86, some of y'all older than me, y'all know this, but it seems like there's this cycle in the news where it comes and it says that eggs are good for you. And then give it a couple years, eggs are bad for you. Milk, milk's good for you. Milk, eh, not so good for you now. Eggs, milk. I read an article the other day about coffee and how coffee is bad for you. And also how coffee is causing climate change to happen because of your drip coffee pot. The cows passing gas in your coffee pot are apparently ruining the economy, the, the world. But we've gone through science. Think of all the amazing scientists. Think of all, you know, you study them in history, you study them in science that have come up with these great ideas. It wasn't too long ago where scientists thought if you were sick, we've got to let all your blood out. We've got to bleed you and get your bad blood out. Isn't that what killed George Washington, I think, our first president? Got to let all the bad blood out. Well, you let too much out. He's gone. We, in 2024, scientists are still trying to figure out how the world was created. They're trying to figure out why humans are here. Are we the only people? What's our purpose? What's our plan? And all of these things have been answered in the Bible years ago. In the beginning, God created heaven and earth. The Bible itself says that blood, that the life source is in the blood. Probably shouldn't let it out. Hold on to it. Hold on to your blood. Or donate some of your blood, not all of it. There's a purpose and a plan that God created that's in the book that the world is still trying to figure out. With the greatest minds, with the greatest scientists, somehow, some way, it still comes back around every couple of years that the earth is flat. We're still questioning all of these things when the answers are in the book, the ultimate truth. That's why it says in Psalms 119, 104, through your precepts I get understanding, therefore I hate every false way. I hate cancer. I hate it because my reality is by Jesus' stripes, We are healed. That Jesus took stripes on his back to take sickness off of our body. I hate death. But knowing that there is an eternal life on the other side. I hate every false way. I don't tolerate it. I'm not okay with it. Just eventually you'll get get on to it. No, no, no. I hate every false way because I love your precepts. The last scripture I have, Psalms 119, 140. Your word is very pure. Therefore, your servant loves it. We as Christians, how can we love something that we don't know? How can we fall in love with something that we don't even know? So we have to get into the book and eat and devour the truth of the book to help us. Because every word is pure. If 
it becomes my new reality. It purges away all the bad things. And the more I eat of the book, the more it helps me become more like him and fall in love with him. The world is trying to still figure out life that the Bible or the word of God has already revealed to mankind. The last thing I wrote, God's word is true and let everything else be a lie or false. We as Christians, especially now, as we get closer to the end of time, whenever that is, I've been told since the 80s, the world's getting darker. And it has been. It's been getting crazier, getting darker, getting more evil. And as a Christian, I have to put my complete faith and trust in God and in his word and know that that is the truth and let everything else be a lie. Amen. Next week, we'll talk about he is a shield to those who put their trust in him. Amen. Let's stand up as we get ready to go. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that your word has been there since the beginning. We thank you that the word is on your side and that the word is you. We thank you that what comes from that word is full of grace and full of truth. And now more than ever in my life, in this church's life, in this world, we need more grace and we need more truth. Father, I thank you that your word is settled and established in heaven. And God, I ask you right now to let your word be settled and established in our hearts, in our minds, in our lives. Let it be our reality. And Father, as we read your word, it says that, that our faith comes by hearing the word of God. Our faith grows by hearing the word of God, Father. And I thank you that you're growing the faith of your people to put their trust in your word. Everything else is a lie compared to your word, the ultimate truth, the only truth, the truth that sets us free. And Father, I thank you that every word from you is pure. Father, I thank you that right now as, as I read these scriptures and, and, and spoke these scriptures over these people today, Father, I thank you that you've already started the process of purging them in your word. Father, changing their reality to seeing that your word is the truth. Father, I thank you that as they read the word and as the word is spoken over them, as they are washed in the word, Father, I thank you that you're removing all of the bad, removing all of the negative, removing all of the sin, removing all the things that are not of you out of their lives. And Father, I thank you with that washing of the word that you're building them up. You're washing them clean and then you're building them up. You're washing them clean and you're building them up, Father. And so that we go, like we believe, like your scripture says, we go from glory to glory. We go from faith to faith. We go from grace to grace because you're building us up. And the things of this world fall by the wayside as we look toward heaven and we look toward your word to be our shining light. Now, Father, I pray scripture over them right now. I thank you, Father, that they are the head and not the tail. They are above and not beneath. They're blessed in the city, blessed in the field. Father, I thank you that everything they put their hands to prospers because the favor of God surrounds them like a shield and they have favor with God and with man. Father, I thank you that you've given us this gospel message that can change <clears throat> and heal our lives. Father, if we simply confess and believe, we believe internally, we confess outwardly that Jesus Christ died for my sins, he was buried in a tomb, and he rose again the third day, then I will be saved, and I will be a part of your kingdom. Father, I thank you right now that they are the head and I don't, we already said that, Lord, let's go on. Father, I thank you right now that they are healed by the stripes of Jesus. Father, I thank you that their body is the temple of the Most High God. Father, I thank you right now that you're blessing them 
as they go into this work week. Now, Father, I thank you that we are the salt and light of the earth, a city set on a hill that refuses to be hidden. Father, everywhere we go, we are no longer victims, but we are victors because of who we are in Christ. And we diffuse the fragrance of the knowledge of Christ everywhere we go. Everywhere we go, we are truth and atmosphere changers. We diffuse and release the fragrance of God, and we dispel all the lies and, and, and all the things that would come against us, Father. I thank you that we are walking miracles, and everywhere we go, goodness and mercy follows after us. Now, Father, bless your people, protect your people, cause them to prosper in everything they do, and bring them back safely next Sunday, actually this Friday, in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. God bless you. We love you. We'll see you all this Friday. Get some more tickets, whatever you need. Thank you for listening to Press Church Podcast. If you would like more information about us or are interested in giving to our ministry, you can click the link in our bio or visit presschurch.org. Don't forget to follow us on social media at Press Church SC and have a great week.